John Moran at the top of Memphis's draft board here at 21, I'm told, Gonzaga's Brandon Clark. The Memphis Grizzlies select Jerry Jackson Jr. Bridge next game, you hear me? Hello and welcome into another episode of the Next Gen Podcast. I'm your host, Bryson Wright, and this week I am joined by one of the best one of the best Twitter followers you can have on Grizzlies Twitter, as long as uh, as well as working with the Daily Memphian, uh, Drew Hill. Drew, how you doing today, man? I'm good. I'm just glad. Speaking of Twitter, to be on with the famous Bryson Wright here on the on the Next Gen Podcast, man. It's an honor. Hey, I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. Uh, but so you you were at the game last night, right? The the preseason game. I was there. Yep. Okay. So I just before we kind of get into like the Ja and Tyus kind of preview for their season, I want to talk a little bit about that game. Uh, the atmosphere. What was the atmosphere like for a preseason game? Because on TV, like it seemed like there was a lot more people at a preseason game than. I've ever seen it, at least for the Grizzlies. And it seemed like it was pretty excited for a game that really doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Um, I'll keep it real here. I mean, the, the crowd is still nothing like it. It will be at a regular season game. I mean, the first home game against the Knicks, that place will be packed. It'll be rocking. Not quite that <laughs> atmosphere for preseason which is to be expected. I mean, come on, it's the preseason. Nobody even really knew that those guys were for sure going to play in that game until the morning of the game. Um, but, I mean, for a preseason game, it was pretty loud in there. It, it got uh, a little rowdy, I would say. I think anytime Jaws doing what he did in the preseason game, which was pretty much the full package from him, you know, making threes, going to the basket, no-look passes – um, it's just such an exciting brand of basketball that people get excited and the crowd gets into it. So even though it wasn't necessarily a huge crowd and perfectly honest, I, I don't think I've really been around for a ton of preseason games. I, I was there last year, year before that, I think during COVID there wasn't any fans in the preseason. So from, from what I have seen in the past, yeah, it was a little bit bigger of a preseason crowd, but it is still the preseason. Um, I'm looking forward to the real thing getting started because I know uh, this year they've sold out of a lot of the, the tickets in the lower bowl and pinnacle level already for season ticket holders. And um, that it's going to be uh, a packed building on most nights uh, at FedEx Forum this year. Um, last night is the first of, of, uh, of the, of the buildup to the regular season. Yeah, for sure. And well, I, I kind of just saw it as it's like the first time you get to see the full team again since the end of last year. Obviously, Jaron is still not playing yet. Uh, but I, I think that's another thing that we could talk about a little bit is Santi Aldama, which I, I feel like that's been the biggest offseason question just for everybody that covers the Grizzlies and talks about the Grizzlies is what are they going to do at power for when Jaron is out? And I think that last night, Santi Aldama like defiantly answered that question. It was like he's going to be the starting four until Jaron gets back. That was kind of the vibe around media day. I know that you were there, too. But just from everything that I heard from media day, it felt like Santi Aldama was in the lead. And then last night, uh, 21 points on seven out of nine shooting four out of five from three. A lot of those threes on like drive and kickouts, too, which is stuff that I think he's going to get a lot in the regular season. Uh, so what are you thinking about his 
kind of like what do you think he's going to be able to do to start the season as well in that spot now that we're pretty sure that that's who it's going to be yeah i'm happy to have been on the santi train early here <laughs> i've been on the santi train since summer league man i'm i'm all in on santi um i look i'm not saying he's going to be some sort of all-star i'm not saying he's for sure going to be a rotation player the whole season but i think he's got a very good chance to be if you're looking for a player to replace Jaron and you look at the options that the Grizzlies have on the team, he from the beginning made the most sense be simply because he's bigger than everybody else, right? He's almost seven feet tall. Um, and what you're losing more than anything with Jaron defensively is contests at the rim, which you are losing offensively, although he is a good player inside and out. Um, he's your floor spacer, right? In the starting lineup, he's the guy that, you know, will, attempt threes and make threes. Um, and when he does make threes, the Grizzlies are at their very best. So who is the guy that's most equipped to do that? I don't think there's any doubt that was uh, Santi from the beginning because he's tall enough to contest shots at the rim. He's, he's nowhere near the shot blocker that Jaron is. We all know that. Um, and he takes, uh, takes threes. He didn't make a lot of threes last season. He didn't have a good three-point percentage. But the shot has always looked good. He never really had an adjustment period before last summer league. And that seemed to stick in people's minds throughout the season last year. Um, but he was better than that. I think he's always been better than that. It just, uh, the adjustment period was a little bit uh, harder on him maybe than, than other players, but I I'm, I'm high on what Santi can do. I think Santi can play in the starting lineup and play well. It doesn't mean he's going to play well every game, but I think he can give you enough to get you to the point where Jaron comes back. And if he plays well enough as a starter, he's got a real chance to take Kyle Anderson's old spot in the rotation and, and play with the twos. And, um, you know, his floor spacing is key. If he can make threes, he'll be on the floor. Um, the Grizzlies like to play their rookies. They're going to have uh, some competition there. Uh, certainly Jake LaRavia and David Roddy, at the very least, are going to have a chance to play in the – in the rotation behind Santi, if injuries happen and they always do, um, those guys will get time on the, on the court. But right now, I, I don't know how anybody could say that Santi isn't the front runner, isn't the favorite there to, to um, claim a rotation spot. And so if you're Santi, you got to feel, you know, really pretty good about yourself. I wrote about Santi uh, after the game yesterday. I, I actually, I talked to him in the locker room uh, for about, 20 minutes just about go playing golf like got, the guy took up golf this off season he's got like That's extra awesome. long golf clubs and he said you know it's been a whole summer of hype myself up feel super confident like build my body up be ready to play physical and uh be a bully in the paint more than last year that i think you, you don't want to use the word soft because nobody in the nba is soft but yeah. They wanted him to play tougher than he did last year. And so this whole summer has been about getting tougher um, and improving that three-point shot. And so golf has been the chance to, like, feel the progress and ground himself and feel humble mm -hmm. again um, because he's, he's not any good. Neither am I or most people that are amateur golfers. But yeah, it's, it was sure. just fun <laughs> to hear him talk about it. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, if you're Santi – um, you got to be really happy with the way that you played the first two games and uh, you, you're just seeing his confidence grow. And that's obviously really great news for the, for the Grizzlies. 
Yeah, definitely. And I mean, even coming out of college, well, because I'll be honest, when they drafted him, I was kind of like, what? Like, okay, I didn't really know who he was that much. I'd maybe seen a couple things about him, but like didn't think that he was going to be an option at where we picked him at. Uh, But just when you look at like from college, you could tell that he had all the tools to be a good NBA player and a good NBA big. Uh, He just had to kind of develop a little bit more and i think that's one of the things is that if you put people in this system like it seems like they develop everybody so it's like if you have somebody who is tall and already had a nice jumper coming out of college i mean put them in this system and i think they'll figure it out uh but one of the reasons why i think santi aldama is going to be as good as he is in the starting lineup and i think you saw it last night is because he's going to be playing with john rent and it's just like when you have a guy like that that commands so much attention, it's like you're getting wide open looks. I think you saw some of that last night. So uh, for the season preview for Ja, I kind of want to start because I feel like everybody knows what he brings as a scorer because that's the thing that they always show. They always show the drives. They always show the nice finishes, the dunks and all that. But what do you think of Ja as a playmaker and how do you think he can grow even more as a playmaker going into this season? Sure. Um, obviously, he's already a very good playmaker uh, in the NBA. Last year, you saw him play more aggressive. He he seemed to be more of a pass-first guy in his first two seasons. Last year, he, he was trying to score for himself, and obviously, the Grizzlies were, were very successful. I think he could actually – and Chris Harrington wrote about this, my colleague at the Daily Memphian – the Grizzlies might be able to benefit from job passing – even or shooting a, a little bit less because they they like you said he gets guys open so often and there's opportunities for other players to get better shots at times. Um, I I think Jaw is very well aware of that he you know he dissects the game as good as anybody. Um, so I think that he he will be an improved playmaker. I think um, this, the close to seven assists that he had last year is about where he'll be again. Um, he could get 10 assists every night though, if he wanted to, it just depends on, is he in the mood to score? Is he in the mood to pass? What's the better thing to do for the team on the given night? Um, but I think as a playmaker, you're going to see similar, similar things, um, that you saw in the first three seasons from jaw. I wouldn't expect him to like, you know, become uh much more of a passer because he already likes to give the ball up he, he's obviously the the main guy throwing the lobs to the rest of his teammates um as well as receiving them occasionally but uh yeah i think you'll you'll see um a similar version of jaw this year as it relates to playmaking and passing but um, there is a chance to potentially uh improve the assist numbers by a little bit yeah that, that's kind of what i was thinking i, I just feel like people don't give him as much credit as a passer at times. And I think it's just because, like you said, this past season, it, it was almost like his first two years he could get to the rim whenever he wanted to, but he didn't realize it yet. And then it was like last year he realized like, oh, I can just drive past everybody if I really want to on any given play. And I think that's why you saw the huge scoring jump. But I still kind of see him like I think he he ca- not as much last season, but he still calls himself a pass first point guard, like in interviews and stuff like that, which I don't know if I necessarily buy that anymore, like that he's fully passed first like he was like his first two years. But I definitely think that's a place where the Grizzlies are going to improve this year just because he's going to draw even more attention this year. Uh, and just like noticing stuff from 
uh, the game last night, watching it on TV, did he look like he was faster than to you? Like, did he he looked like he got a little bit quicker, which I didn't know if that was even possible, really, compared to like last year. But on TV, he just looked like he was just like a step faster than he was last season. And yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily like his speed or maybe it's his anticipation and the way he like has learned more about the game too, like helps him be in the right position. But he just looked like he was getting to spots quicker. I think that it's hard to be a lot faster if you're John Morant and you're already lightning quick. Um, so I wouldn't say that he necessarily like looked way faster, but not, think, not way faster. Yeah, right. Not way faster, yeah, that's like. I don't know if anybody can be way faster than what he was. The, the uh, NBA GMs voted him fastest with the ball. Um, so that was, you know, that, that was a pretty obvious pick in my opinion. But I think what he did well last night that made it seem like uh, even if it, even if he wasn't, and he, it, you're right, he did look maybe at times a little bit faster. But what he did well was he made that first three-pointer and maybe it was a mistake on the part of the Magic or maybe like the the talk about his offseason jumper improving uh, played a role in it as well. But like once he made that first three, the Magic said, all right, we got to respect this. We, we got to get out on him. And once you start doing that to Ja, you're dead. I mean, you're, you're just a dead man walking because he's going to go right past you with the basketball and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Um, and so you didn't see them try to do the uh, the blitz thing where they just double team him as soon as the ball screen comes. And if you don't do that, he's going to burn you more times than not. And if that jumper is working, it's an opportunity for him to, even if he's not faster, look faster because he's going to be going by people a lot more. Um, and last year or, or last night, I should say, uh, was pretty light work for him. I think that there wasn't really, I mean, he was playing against the magic starters were in there, but the magic aren't very good. Um, and they don't really have any great perimeter defenders. He did exactly what you would expect him to do. He just torched them the entire night. And um, I think that was really positive, but it's almost like the respect for his three point shot is just going to help him that much more. And to me, it was very encouraging as much as like, I mean, we knew he was explosive coming in, but like now he's got a chance to utilize that explosiveness even more and in a more efficient way, because if you're having to close on him on three point shots, you really got no chance. And uh, that's what you saw last night. Yeah, definitely. Like if you have to if you have to contest his three, just like I think last year he shot 34 percent. If he shoots like 36 from three or anything like that's just that's that's just so scary for the rest of the NBA because it's like it, he just has to be good enough to where you have to be scared of it. And I think he's he's pretty close to that point right there. He saw saw that a little bit more uh, in that Warrior series. Uh, and I think you've, you've seen it like he's just gotten better every year, like from behind the arc. And I think he's going to continue to do that. Uh, another place where I've seen him grow to at least a little bit, and I know that you've been to practices and stuff like that, so you've probably seen at least a little bit more for like this year. Uh, is on the defensive end. And I feel like that's something that coming into the season, a lot of people want to see from him is can he become a better defender? Because obviously he's not going to be able to like, if so, like there are some guys that are just physically like bigger than him, that it's, it's going to be hard for him to guard, obviously. Uh, but I feel like 
he has enough he has enough length, he has enough speed and quickness and everything to where he can be like a solid defender. I'm not saying he's ever going to be like an all def- defense type player, but he can be a solid defender. And I think last night you saw him get into the passing lanes pretty well. I think he had three steals last night. And then obviously the one that led to the 360 dunk where he was smiling before he even went up for it. Uh, but what do you think about his kind of growth on that side of the floor? And what do you think that can do for the Grizzlies this season too? Sure. Um, truthfully, the Grizzlies don't need Ja to be an awesome defender. They actually would probably prefer him to save his energy to carry him on offense, which, you know, is, is what a lot of players do in the NBA, to be honest, they just need him to be serviceable. And I think that they, the Grizzlies themselves, um, they can do a better job. Well, well, they're more equipped to, to do a better job this year of putting him in better spots. And when I say that, I mean, um, like la- I thought it was significant that last night Desmond Bain is the first guard to come out of the lineup instead of Dylan Brooks. Last year, they would take Dylan Brooks out of the lineup. They would bring Dylan Brooks back in with the second unit, and he would play a lot of minutes with the second unit. And it was almost like, okay, well, Dylan, we know he can create his own shot, so maybe he fits with that second unit a little bit better. He can give him an offensive spark. Maybe Dylan takes some shots that you hope he doesn't take, and if he's playing with the second unit, you're not taking shots away from Ja. But I think playing Dylan with Ja can actually work better for the Grizzlies this season if they cho- choose to keep it this way and they and they put Des on the bench first. One, because um, Dylan will always be able to guard the best player on, on the other team um, in, in almost every single scenario. So that obviously takes a little bit of a load off of Ja when he's out there on the court on the defensive end and allows him to gamble a little bit more, to go for those steals, get in the passing lanes. Um, and that's – a benefit for him to be on the court with uh, Dylan Brooks. It also has a potential to work, uh, work well for Dylan because when Dylan's out there with Ja, most of the shots that he's going to get are shots that are already set up for him. Um, And so he's less likely to take the bad shot that you worry about Dylan taking. Um, He always has to defer to Ja first when, when they're on the floor together. Um, And he, he knows that. So um, I like that move by the Grizzlies. I think that's going to help Jaw on defense. And Jaw, uh, uh, you know, I, I think he means it when he says he wants to be better defensively this year. He's got physical limitations. It's not his own doing. He j- he's just smaller than a lot of guys out there. Where he can help the Grizzlies defensively is forcing a little bit of chaos, getting those passing lanes, you know, take some uh, some risks that they can afford him to take and try to create opportunities for the team. And you saw that last night, and the Grizzlies are doing a good job of putting him in position to do that. Yeah, for sure. And then just kind of before I finish on John, move on to Tyus a little bit. When you look at, like, the landscape of, like, point guards in the NBA, I I know that the the GM survey came out today, and nobody picked – Ja as the best point guard in the NBA. And I'm not necessarily saying that he is the best point guard in the NBA, but when you see like Chris Paul and Trey Young as two of the guys they had over him, I feel like I feel like he's definitively top three, right? Here's here's the tricky thing about the GM. Yeah. 
the GMs only get one vote for first place. Mm -hmm. So I don't think anyone would, I I agree with you that he's in the top three there. Um, It's hard to argue with the guys that are the top two that they have listed. Um, I do have a problem with like who voted Trey Young as the best point guard in the NBA. Speaking of defense, probably the worst defender in the NBA. Um, And so, and that means, Somebody's voting Chris Paul as the best point guard in the NBA. Uh, I don't understand that. I think, you know, for Jaw's sake, just let him believe that, <laughs> that the GMs voted him outside of the top four because that, maybe that's, that'll be a motivating factor. I think he kind of just the, – the voting process screwed him over a little bit as it relates to that list that came out. But yeah. um, I do think that he's probably – uh, a, a top three point guard in the NBA, and uh, he he would be plenty deserving of a vote. If you wanted to vote for John Moran as the best point guard in the NBA over a guy like Luca, I think you have a much better case than voting Chris Paul or Trey Young. That's for sure. Yeah, no, and and that's the way I look at it. Like when it's it's okay, point guard, it's Steph, right? He's the best. Right. He just won Finals MVP. Like I have no problem with that. Luca, they just went to the Western Conference Finals. Like, that's fine. Like, I didn't have any problems with those two. But I, I'm with you on Chris Paul and the Trey Young. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I just feel like Chris Paul at this age is kind of crazy to have him over job. But, like, like you said, the voting process is weird. I, I bet that if they could, if they voted for top threes instead of just picking one, it probably would have helped Jod a little bit more. They probably could, he probably would have been third. I would say if, 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 if they did top threes instead of just picking the best one. Yeah. But, I but don't, don't tell him that. Don't just, yeah, just yeah, yeah, nobody yeah. tell Jod that just allow him. If Jod's listening, I hope he, he turned the, the sound down. He put it on mute because uh, <laughs> just, just allow him to, to feel the disrespect. Cause that's when he plays his, his very best. That's true. Yeah. He's already got eight spots to go in the NBA rank and now he's got, uh, four spots to go in the NBA GM survey. So I think that's going to be another motivating factor. Uh, but then the reason why I think the Grizzlies probably, I would say they have the best point guard situation in the NBA is because you have Tyus Jones as well coming off the bench. And it's like, I don't think anybody like any of the other teams that have like the elite point guards, there's not a backup point guard that's as good as Tyus Jones in the NBA. And then when you already have Ja there to start the games, and then the way that Tyus runs the offense with the second unit, uh, it's just been awesome to see for the last couple years. And I think even going back to like the bubble when he didn't play, you really saw like how much that hurt them. Like I know that was like two years ago, but I think that was when you really first saw his value. Uh, So what do you think is his value and how important was it for the Grizzlies to kind of re-sign him this year when he probably could have had some other options in some other places, maybe to be a starter, but decided to come back. How much do you think that is going to help the Grizzlies uh, just as, like from their point guard situation and just the team as a whole? Yeah, I think Tyus's value just comes in how steady he is. You know, he, he runs the offense really well. He limits mistakes. Um, he gives you good effort every single night, uh, and those three things you, you you can count on every every time Tyus is on the floor. Th- those are first and foremost, you know, that's what you ask of a backup point guard. Um, last year he was able to do a little bit more uh, than a backup point guard because he got so many opportunities to be a starter. Um, you saw his numbers increase uh, because of the minutes increase. I think maybe his numbers might come down a little bit this year just because he's going to play – 
probably less minutes. I think he played the ninth, ninth most minutes on the team last year, despite starting all, a bunch of those games. It's just the nature of being behind John Morant. So um, obviously having Tyus is a big plus for the Grizzlies. Um, you hope that his three-point shot uh, is as good as it was last year. Uh, he's at the point in his career where you're not really expecting a huge jump in, in his, his statistics or anything, his shooting percentages. But if he can do that, he's definitely a weapon that the Grizzlies can use. Um, and so for me, you know, I, I think um, as far as Tyus goes, you're, you're thrilled to have him. When it comes to bringing him back or not, it was just what made sense for both parties. The Grizzlies could have been okay without Tyus Jones. Now, he was a big part in the playoffs. They were able to play the two of them together. All of that is obviously um, – it's good for, for the Grizzlies to have him. But if you're not playing a ton of minutes, you, you probably could have survived with somebody else, if we're just being honest. Um, but to have him back is meaningful. And in the end, there just wasn't really a market for him somewhere else. It wasn't the fault of Tyus. He played the best season of his career last year. Um, it's just unfortunate that it worked out that way. So instead he gets probably more money than he would have got to go somewhere else, but on a short-term deal. And he has the chance to continue to compete for the Grizzlies. And I think that makes everybody happy. Uh, makes the Grizzlies happy. Tyus is thrilled to be back. And so, um, it, it, it's good when it works out best for both parties in that way. Um, and it's great that the Grizzlies have a steady backup point guard like Tyus, um, but uh, we'll see, you know, beyond these next two years that they that they signed him for um, if they'll move forward with him. And now they have a, another point guard in the waiting, which is Kennedy Chandler. Yeah, for sure. And then you you actually mentioned something that I also wanted to talk about a little bit is John ja and Tyus playing together. I feel like we might see that a little bit more this year. I don't know. I, I think near the end of last season and then especially like in the Timberwolf series, like just because it, it, it worked really well in that Timberwolf series last year. I remember I think they closed game six with John Tyus on the floor together. So do, are, do you think that we might see more of that this year? Or do you think it'll be about the same as last year? Because uh, I, I, I was thinking that we might see it a little bit more. I don't know. I feel like the lineups are going to be a little wonky at the beginning of the season just because there's no Jaron. So I I think that Taylor is going to kind of experiment with some stuff. I think we saw a little bit of that in the preseason last night. So do you think that playing them together is going to happen maybe a little bit more this season? I do because of shooting guard depth. Um, obviously, John Conchard now, you, you don't have DeAnthony, so you expect that John is going to get more minutes. But – at times you're going to want shooting on the floor, especially, you know, if you're trying, if you're playing from behind in a game. Um, and so I think you're going to see it more just because without DeAnthony on the floor for you, while John Conchar is great, he's a very different type of player than a DeAnthony. So um, I think that Taylor will use those two together more often and because it worked in the playoffs, honestly, um, and he's now been able, been able to see it at a high level and it, and it was able to work. Um, I do think that they will play more together for sure. All right. Yeah. Cause yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of the same way I was thinking like, no, DeAnthony is going to force them to do a little bit more like in the guard spots. Uh, but then like, kind of like before we close, I did put together some over unders instead of doing, I, I think instead of doing both, I think we should do both of the players together, like combine okay. it. So I'm saying John Tyus points per game 
over under 36. Man. Okay, so you made it tough on me here because I think while Jaws numbers might go up a tiny bit, I think mm-hmm. Tyus's might go down a tiny bit. I will take the over to be positive here, but I think you have okay. set a very good line there. Um, I'll take the over because I think if Dylan plays the way that they want him to play, maybe more shots for Ja, maybe more shots for Tyus. So, and then you have Jaren's, uh, depending on how much time he misses, you know, he takes up a lot of the shots when he's on the floor as well. Think you might get more shots from those guys early in the season. So I'll take the over very slightly. Yeah, I did. I, I did make it tough because that's what I'm ex- I'm expecting them to get about 36 between the two of them every game. And I think it's going to be closer to Ja having like 28 and Tyus having like eight or nine somewhere in there. But I, I, I like the over too. I think they could get over that. And then for Ja, his assist numbers, uh, are you expecting? Him to, so I'll, I'll put it at seven. So th- that would mean a little bit of an assist jump, but not too much because he averaged 6.7 last year. I will take the over again very slightly. I think that it'll be like 6.9, 7, 7.1, somewhere in that range. I think you're going to see maybe uh, a slight tick upward. It just will depend on minutes and health. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, um, they've sort of changed the style that this team is going to play. They've been out in transition a lot recently. Um, I think the, a lot of the moves that they made this offseason, like within the draft and moving on from Kyle and moving on from D'Anthony are setting up for uh, what could be a better half court offense. And maybe that leads to a slight uptick in jaw assists because of three point shots uh, out of kickouts. I'll take uh, a very slight over on that one as well. All right. And then for Tyus, I'll put it at five assists. Which and I also like what you said about the half court because I did see that a little bit. I feel like they had a lot more like consistent sets, and I'm pretty sure last year Tyus was at four point four, some, yeah, something like that. Four. I'll take an under because I think it'll be about the same. And if he's not starting as many games this year as he did last year, um, I'll take the under because I think it it it's a it'll be about four point four again for Tyus. I I would you know. Um, the guy is just a assisted turnover machine. You know, he finishes first in assisted turnover ratio every single year. Um, but without you know uh, a, a very big increase in minutes, um, I will say it'll be about the same. So I'll I'll, I'll go under on that one. All right, and then uh, the last thing for both of them is going to be their three point percentage. Uh, Tyus surprised me last year i'll be honest with his three-point shooting he shot 39 percent last year i don't know if he's gonna shoot it again i'm gonna put the over under at like 38 and a half just because i feel like 39 was like i i feel like that was the best that i've seen him shoot ever and it's, it was the best of his career so i don't know if I, if you can necessarily expect him to do it again but I think you could expect him to be around that number. So I'll put it at 38 and a half. I'll take the under on 38 and a half. That's still a really high number for the NBA. Shot it really well last year. But chances are there's probably a little bit of regression back to the mean there for him um, over the course of his career. So I'll take under on 
the three-point percentage. And uh, for Ja, you could set the number, but I'm taking the over. I can tell you right now. <laughs> okay, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, I was gonna say 36. 36. And okay, that's a or, or 35. Let's, yeah, 36. 36. Man. Um, what did he shoot last year? 34 and a half. Yeah, 34. Yeah, 34 and a half last year. Oh, 36 is really tough. Um, that's like right on what I think he'll probably shoot. The reason I think Ja will be a better three point shooter this year is because in years past, you ask him about the shooting and it bothers him. Like the questions would bother him very clearly. Um, he'd say, I work on everything. I try to get better at everything. I don't, I'm not just focusing on my shooting. It was almost as if like people were, it was a slight. He took it a little bit as a slight to say that his shooting isn't caught up to the rest of his game. Well, this year he's out there saying I'm working on my shot, which to me suggests he's got confident that that shot is better. And I've seen him in the gym so far this preseason, and it looks really good. I'll take the over. I'm not confident on that. I am really, really, really not confident on that. It's probably under. I'm probably on the wrong side there. But mm -hmm. uh, I don't like to bet against Ja, so I'll take the over. Yeah, I, I, I'll i never bet against Ja. It's, it's hard to do it. And then kind of before we close, I just want to ask, what are your ex expectations or like your goals for the season overall, like regular season and then postseason? Uh, just for this team this year? Yeah, I think the Grizzlies need to aim to get back to the playoffs. Um, it's not a step back if they don't finish second in the West. It's just not because the West is a lot better this year, I think, than it was a year ago. And True. so um, if the Grizzlies are in the playoffs in a healthy way, like there's, there's not really the threat of them missing the playoffs and having to play in the play-in, I think you're pretty satisfied because if this team gets to the postseason, they've shown that they'll be able to compete and they certainly have the talent to compete with any of those other teams in the West. Um, but if they were to finish fourth, there's no, there should be no panic uh, with the Grizzlies because the Clippers are going to be a lot better. You would expect the nuggets are going to be better. Um, and so the competition is tougher. If the Grizzlies finish third, second, fourth, I mean, even fit, there's a, a world where the Grizzlies, you know, miss Jaron for part of the season. Maybe somebody else gets hurt and they finish fifth. Well, as long as they're healthy going into the playoffs, they have a chance. So um, that's where the uh, the bar, in my opinion, should be set. Like, just get in the playoffs and give yourself a chance again because this team can compete with anybody. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I like what you said about that, too, because I see a lot of people that maybe talk about they're going to take a step back and all that. But just because they don't get the two seed again, I don't think that's going to be the defining part of the season. And then you talk about getting home court advantage. I understand that it's important. But then you look at last year, they had home court advantage and gave it up in game one in both of their playoff series. Right. So, it's one of those, so it's like home court advantage is still important. But I still think that if if they were the five seed and had to go on the road, I mean, they, they've been a better team on the road, honestly, at some like for the past couple of years. I think they had the most road wins in Grizzlies history last season. So I, I do think that it is kind of the same way as just get back to the playoffs. And once you get there, make sure your team is healthy, because if, if the team is healthy going into the playoffs, I think they, they can, I think they can be anybody that they'll play. Like not saying that they will every single time, because you can never say that in the NBA, 
but I think they have the talent to beat anybody that they're going to go against. Yeah, uh, they'll have a very good team for sure. Um, I don't – I think it would be disappointing if they were outside of the, the playoffs, but um, if, if they're fourth, I mean, nobody pressed the panic button. I know that, that that's hard to say to fans because they're called fanatics for a reason, but um, I think that the Grizzlies are, are in pretty good shape going into this, year, this season. Yes, for sure. Drew, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you can go ahead, tell the people where they can find your stuff if they're not already following you uh, and follow all your work. Yeah, my Twitter handle is at DrewHill underscore DM. You can follow me there. Uh, I write in the Daily Memphian uh, during the season. I pretty much have something up every single day uh, from Grizzlies practice, from shoot around, from games. So make sure you are checking all that stuff out. Um, and I also have a newsletter that comes out every Monday and Thursday. If you are a subscriber to the Daily Memphian, you can get that. That's where I get my creative juices flowing a little bit and write about some of the more fun stuff. So that that's a high, highly recommended is to go sign up for that newsletter. Awesome. Awesome. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Next Gen Podcast here on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. Uh, be sure to like and follow the podcast network wherever you get your podcast. Uh, we're going to be doing weekly podcasts, having guests every week uh, here on Next Gen Podcast and also GBB Live, Grizzly Bear Bets, and also the Core 4 podcast as well. And the Starting 5. We've got a lot of good stuff coming out uh, just the entire year uh, from the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network and a lot of cool stuff coming from this podcast as well. Uh, Drew, like I said, thank you for coming on, and we will see you guys on the next episode next week.